Uh, let's, uh, I guess let's start with our first names here. My, I'm, uh, I'm Timo, and you are? I'm Matt. And, uh, what's the movie we're going to talk about today is the, uh, the movie Crimes of the Future. You seen that? Uh, the new, yeah, I've seen the new one. I haven't seen the old one yet, unfortunately. Uh, you mean the Cronenberg old 1980s one? Yeah, I've seen the new one that came out this year and has a lot of people cutting themselves with knives. I haven't seen the old one. And I don't know if they were cutting themselves with knives in that one. But I have seen the new one with Vigo and everyone. Yeah. I have heard a lot of fervor about the old one. I remember the confusion when this one came out that I was like, I think I've read this title before. And then the posters came out, like I'm on Tumblr, right? So the posters came out of the old one and the new one. And I, was, I thought they were the same film for a while. It took me a long time to re read the names on the poster that were like, you know, Viggo Mortensen and fucking uh, Kristen Stewart and Leah Sado, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of sad. I feel like a lot of people did not really know much about this movie before it came out. Um, That's funny. Which sucks, because it's really good. I, I don't know. It didn't do... Not a lot of people have seen it, but it's very good. Uh, yeah, do, you have, do you have eyes on the numbers as to how many people see? Like, it's, it's not a hit? Because it was, was it the one that had a standing ovation at the con? Yeah, but, like, at Cannes, kind of everything has a standing ovation, unless it does, like, really poorly. That's hilarious, um, right. I didn't know that that was, like, general practice. I thought it was special practice. No, it's weird. Can't, everyone thinks that, like, it can, that they'll give, like, a 20-minute standing ovation if the movie's great, but it's more of just, like, they'll give a 20-minute standing ovation if the director just doesn't leave while they're giving the standing ovation. They can walk like, out any time they want, huh? Almost every movie gets a standing ovation and the director just leaves. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of fun. That's, that's kind of a power play there. It really is, especially, like, I think Guillermo is the longest with, like, 25 minutes. I thought, okay, well, how long was Quentin's? Because that one looked uncomfortable, too. Uh, which one? Ah, that's a, well, that, that's a line. I have no idea which one. He's, he's come out with a number of movies. They could have given him a standing O for anybody, for anything, I guess. Um, I know, I think he had a long one for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's also like that movie. It's interesting now that like you'll see movies like Elvis that like didn't do super well at the festival, but they still get the round of applause because they aren't like hated. Okay. Um, how those just stand there for a while so that it sounds like they do much better than they did, but like, you know, I was reading reviews at can and like it wasn't like people were like this movie's great. They were giving like very mediocre reviews. I guess uh, it they just stayed forever, so they got the round of applause for like twelve minutes or something. I'm kind of surprised at the Baz Luhrmann one because his, since his movies are so bombastic, I think the French style, like some, a lot of the time, is bombastic to me. Um, I would think they like that kind of picture. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but you know, I'm sure it's loud. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they did like it. I mean, I, I, I'm coming from like reading American reviews, so I also might be biased. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Is Elvis still considered a conservative uh, figure, you think? Uh, I mean, he was a liberal figure for a long time. I don't know. I mean, he definitely has a conservative audience, I think. Uh, I thought that was the reverse. You know, because yeah, he, 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 like, he wanted that because he wanted that sheriff's badge at some point, you know? That's true, but he was also like... You know, 
the envelope in like a, a, a million different ways while he was doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like just his hip rotation stuff was like super controversial. <laughs> All right. Yeah, not just because it was stolen, but it was but because it was like sexy. Uh, I think it was like a mixture. Uh, well, speaking of yeah. a, speaking of a mixture between sexy and something else, Cronenberg uh, does really crazy movies. What have you seen of his uh, before crimes? Uh, I've seen a lot. I haven't seen a handful. I've seen like ha- I'd say I've seen like half his filmography. I've seen. Uh, I'm looking over what he's done right now. Uh, yeah, I mean I've seen all the big ones: Crash, The Fly, Naked Lunch. Uh, a history of violence. Um, I haven't seen like uh, stuff from the seventies. Unfortunately, I really want to see Rabbit. I've heard that's really good. Yeah, that one's pretty uh, good. I think my favorite. Oh, sorry. Wait, what were you gonna say about Rabbit? Uh, uh, that one is pretty good. I was agreeing. Um, the Brood is kind of crazy. That was my favorite one of his old ones. I think. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the one you should probably watch. Put first on your list there. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely, I will definitely add it to the watch list. Though. Uh, I sensed from this movie that he he referenced like I don't know if it was purposeful or not. And I might just be reading into it, but it seems like he referenced just about his entire filmography in this particular movie. And I feel like it's maybe because like, I don't want to say that it, he feels like it's his last movie, but he he's really hard pressed to like make fresh stuff because funding reasons I would figure. Um. Did you get a lot of the references there in the uh, in Crimes of the Future of his like the stuff you've seen, or is that just me? Um, no, I mean you're probably right. I, I think I I wasn't looking for it, so maybe I didn't see it. I mean, there's definitely like, I mean, there's a handful of things in there that definitely like feel like they could be part of other things or references to other things. But I think like one of the things I really like about Crimes of the Future is that it's pretty dense. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah. yeah. So I guess I just didn't really pick up on any. Was there anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I got the whole uh, synopsis down in notes for some reason, so I have a ton of questions about it, uh, just things that it raised in my head. But, like, I guess I couldn't not hear in the denseness all the references. Like, for, for maybe because I was looking for them or something. Particularly, like, the sound of, a mis- like, a fly and that's not in the frame, you know? That in the sound, like, I don't know. It's like I know to, like, oh, if, it, if there's a sound effect, it's going to mean something in the picture. And I just maybe looked for meaning. But the fly sound effect came out, like, not many times. Like, it wasn't prevalent. So it wasn't like, oh, this is a smelly world. So, you know, there's flies everywhere. It seemed to be, like, pinging onto some dialogue sometimes. Um, but then there's, like, the tattooing in the uh, of all the uh, organs. And that, that to me was like, oh, Eastern Promises. Um, the chair that he uses to digest the food, you know, that's like, uh, th- it reminded me of that smoking dude in uh, um, Naked Lunch when, when uh, Burroughs is talking to the, uh, he's, I don't think his name is Burroughs, but he's talking to that guy at the bar and the guy at the bar is an alien, like, looking thing that's smoking a cigarette. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I saw like a lot of like those and I tried writing them all down, but it was distracting from the picture, so I didn't get them all down. Uh, if I had more time, I'd probably find like exactly what it was. But those are generally like ex- pretty strong examples of what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely like a new flavor to this in comparison to his other films. I mean, this is one of the few films I feel where 
modifications and people doing that to themselves purposefully, uh, which I, does happen in a handful of his other films, but it felt like this was the only film that wasn't really about that. Like, a lot of his other films are more about the body, and I feel like this film was more about everything that was going on around these bodies that were mutating and being mutilated. Uh-huh. It wasn't so much about the fact that their bodies were changing, but everything else around them was. Huh. More environmental, you'd say? Yeah. I mean, the film is, in my opinion, like, very much about technology and our relationship to it, which I think is kind of kind of obvious, but... Yeah, what, do you, what about you? What do you feel about, like, his use of the body in this film? Well, yeah, that, that, the body modification stuff to me, I mean, a lot of it, like, was uh, attributed, well, I guess it was always attributed to arousal, and so that reminded me of Crash, you know, because I don't remember the plot too well anymore. It's been years since I've seen it, but uh, I generally remember that it was about car accidents, and it was a t- the crushing of the metal and, and, like, something artificial, but, like, tragic also happening that impelled them to get horny is the general plot of that movie um speak uh, as a side note james spader is always in horny movies we should probably you know discuss james spader at some point because his filmography is interesting but um james spader is the fucking man dude james spader is the best he's got legit roles man like you know like there's richard Gere, and everybody called him a sex symbol for a while in the 90s but dude fucking james spader man he's he's got like taste and roles man he's anyway um back to the body modification stuff i always felt was cronenberg using that as a tool to say something else like you know oh well going back to uh crash it could be like trauma was a big part of the uh of uh crimes of the future like that one lady whose uh whose art show was based on the idea that she's cutting her face like gills and then she mentioned you know it's because i you know a lot of surgeons don't understand that i don't want to be beautiful and yet, um, Leo Sado's character, uh, Clarice, I believe her name is, uh, you know, it says, you know, you, you say that, but I found what you're trying to do, be- like, you looked beautific while you were up there. So they use the same word, but twisted a bit, but to mean different things, you know, and so it's just like what the mainstream thinks about beauty and what, I guess, artists think about beauty. Um, so in this movie, I think, you know, he uses the body modification stuff. Videodrome, I guess, is the other big example about, like, a big... The videotape going into his body. That... I haven't yeah. really watched that one, like, with an analytical eye to be like, what's they really saying? I really just enjoy the surrealist weirdness of it. But, um... But that's from what I remembered. Seeing this one, I might have a different mind to view that movie, but... I'm sure he was saying something, like, else than just, like, see how gross this could be. Or, like, The Fly was about... Being a better, uh, uh, what is it? Brundle was looking for a way to make man better, and he thought he found it when he bumped into this, you know, the, his initial foray to uh, to the uh, through the portal thing that he did. And so, you know, initially it, it you know it made him best, but then after a while he he got over it when he started really transforming. And so he started jotting down notes, but his questions ra- raised were like, like this one, it it's about like what standards are for a human being and people trying to manipulate where it goes. So the government in this movie was like trying to prevent this, you know, plastic eating from being, you know, known, I guess. Right. And 
Yeah. Is that did I reach the did I lose the narrative there at some point? No, I think that doesn't make sense. I do get what you're saying though. Um, I think Video Dream is also an interesting comparison because a lot of that film we could argue is a hallucination. At least the part where he's sticking the videotape inside of himself, where he's shooting the the politician. Yeah, um, yeah, with the with the gun that grows out of his hand or something. Yeah, yeah. A lot of flesh guns in Chronicles movies, but that's another that's a sad point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing about Crimes of the Future compared to those other films, like he talks about that in, in Existence as well. Uh, I yeah, think, well, I haven't seen Existence, so I guess I shouldn't be talking about it. But uh, I mean, I don't really remember that one too well. The, yeah, Existence is, is it looks really weird. I watch the trailer for it all the time, but I can never find it anywhere. Mm. Um, but, but anyway, going back to Crimes of the Future, um, the film takes place after those mutations have already happened, which I think is interesting in comparison to his other work, where. At least all of the films that I have seen of his, a lot of the mutations start at the beginning of the film or near the middle. Um, Beverly Hills is more about bodies that are already born odd, but they're normal. It, it's not like a mutation. Um, well, wait. At least in this film. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, the... There is a mutation, but it's like nature mutating the body. I think that's the the premise of the Viggo Mortensen's artist character is he he removes stuff that his body's making, but uh, I forget who argues at him that the body's just like trying to adjust to the world, and like oh well it's the, it's the plastic eating guy. Um, he you know he states you know the the body wants to evolve you know so there's purpose to the modification, but it's like an environmental you know that what I noticed about this one it's like it's the most it's the seems to be the only one to my recollection that the only movie by Cronenberg that has an optimistic ending is what I want to say do you sense that like his other movies are like bleak at the end typically is this one have an optimistic ending well oh to, <laughs> I guess to my weird mind yeah because you know plastic eating is a way to reverse the damage we've done to the earth, so to speak. Like the overturned ship uh, in the beginning, in the opening shot, you know, to me is saying like, rem it's like a reminder of all the shipping containers and that like have spilled into the ocean, like all the junk essentially that we've dumped on the earth. Um, and that now is going to be used as food, you know, so that kind of solves a hunger problem. That kind of solves like a pollution problem. It's it's a strange I'm and you know the when I think about the government interfering it's just like there's profits to be made you know still in this barren apocalypse because in order for that one detective to get funding he had to change the name of his like department to like I think it's a uh, vice crimes or something like this and Vigo asked him at some point why 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 call it vice crimes I don't I see the vice but I don't see the crimes or something Something like this. I see the crimes, but I don't see the vice. And the guy explains, you know, well, you know, it's a sexier uh, uh, title, so we get, you know, m more benefactors that way. And it just seems to be like a commentary on, like, movie making and how you have to make it sexy in order for it to sell. But also it could be like any, any other thing that's where it's just like there's a market for just about anything, including, I guess, you know, solving crimes. Um, 
But with the plastic thing, you know, what are the repercussions of humans no longer needing to eat food, but now can eat, you know, synthetic shit? And they leave the earth to proliferate in plants and fruits and animals that we no longer eat. You know what I mean? Like, that to me is very optimistic when Vigo takes the bite out of that fucking uh, acai berry looking uh, candy bar and he smiles and he cries and then you, you cut to the little camera that's on her fist which is a pretty cool looking camera by the way um, and, yeah. and, it's, and it looks, he looks like Joan of Arc a little bit or like a, a Virgin Mary with the, with the single tear coming down and a smile you know it's a delirious sort of optimistic ending which I think I think of Dead Ringers when I think of like the typical Cronenberg ending and it's a very have you seen Dead Ringers? Yeah, I have. It's been forever, but I love Dead Ringers, yeah. Yeah, like, I need ice cream. It's generally the end of the movie, you know? Like, I want ice cream. Because it's so fucking... Just, like, see where where we've, like, disconnected from everybody and how alone we are in the world. And this one seems to be, like... I don't know. There's more people involved than just Vigo's character, you know? There's, there's a, you know, a selflessness to it. I don't know, I guess... Existence had kind of an optimistic ending too, because the you know, the the the, I guess the rebels win at the end, but it's it's really dark, you know. I don't know. It's no Spring Breakers ending. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, I don't know. Actually, I disagree. I think it is. I think it's like pretty dark. I, the reason I say that is like the shot is the last shot of the film is meant to mimic. The shot where Joan of Arc is being burned in the Carl Theodore Dreyer film, like right before she she gets burned, I believe, like when when she's kind of lost the fight, I believe. Yeah. And I kind of I don't know I kind of feel like that's that's the pain and fear at the end of the film is that they've lost. Uh huh. That they've already like they've destroyed the world so much that they're they're sustaining on the thing that has destroyed everything, which is plastic. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's also a level to it, too, of, like, I'm sure there's a fear of this character being assassinated now because everyone that he's known that has been doing this has been murdered. Um, yeah, and his wife might be a spy, is my theory. Or his wife why is... Why do you think that? Say again? Why do you think that? Sorry. Oh, because uh, cause everybody seems to be undercover, you know, like, Every main character, except for like the doctor and Viggo Mortensen, like the doctor that 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 lives in his apartment, you know that that uh, he calls himself a mechanic. Uh, that guy seems to be the only like w- he lets in those technicians and they wind up killing him, so they were undercover. Um, Vigo's undercover because he's working for the, with the detective for some reason. Uh, um, the technicians when they're at the art show that sabotage. Uh, have a camera on them, like they're filming the thing, you know. They're in this, and then they might be doing it to like, you know, fit in with the crowd because everybody's there seems to have like an analog camera on them from the '90s and shit. But they're also like, just the fact that they're filming him and they betrayed the whole situation by being involved with like, you know, suppressing this 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 new thing. At the very very end, the last shot is Leo Sado with a camera filming. Vigo, and it seemed to me, I, I don't, there were other little clues there. I have them in my notes, but we, we have a very short amount of time here. So I'm thinking, she's a spy, man. She's undercover. I don't know if it's, she's for him or against him because she feeds him the thing at the end, but she might be just, that might be just another tact to go undercover. I don't know. Plus, the detective that uh, Vigo works with is, like, empathetic, 
who's to say as much as Leia Sado's character is a, into the art and into like you know she she body mods her forehead because she's like so affected by the by, by theory I guess you can say that you know she can be empathetic too but why can't she be a spy you know I don't know it, it you didn't get well I I just watched it so it's really fresh in my head but you didn't get that sense of like like does that sound too far fetched? No, I mean, there's definitely a sense of distrust throughout the entirety of the film. Um, right. Leo's lying about having this disorder. He's having people pump him with chemicals to grow these organs. This is revealed like halfway through. Is that true? Know, I, missed, if, I missed that clip. You haven't clip. realized as a listening audience that there's huge spoilers in this. I apologize, but sorry. Go ahead, Timo. No, say again. No, I was just making a joke about there being spoilers and then halfway through uh, fucking... No, it sounded too... Been you know, it, too, it reminds me of this thing this girl said during the movie. Like, she came out for popcorn in the middle of the picture. And she's like, have you seen this movie? And I, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to keep track of movies on. So she mentioned it was this one. And I was like, yes, I'd seen it by then. And she's like, it's really silly, you know? And I was like, yeah, I, th I think all of Cronenberg's movies are a little silly, you know? But having gone through like the epiphany of the ending and it all comes together at the end, I didn't really address that to her. I kind of just agreed. Like, it, I mean, a videotape in the stomach, you know, is, is, is a little absurd unless you're in it for the journey. You know, I could easily see like one of my like friends or like, well, you know, my cousin who I used to watch movies with. He's, you know, he's he used to help me appreciate mm, mainstream stupid fodder that I wouldn't go for on my own. He would probably easily say, this is fucking dumb. And like in another context, be like, dude, have you seen that movie? You know, like it, it's it's two different levels. So it's like that level of it's very silly. The premise of this movie sometimes, you know, the, she makes out with his stomach and it's got a zipper on it. You know, it's it. Uh, all of Viggo Mortensen's like sex faces are, are kind of, you know, like mm, camp even, you know, but it works. It's just it, it expresses what it wants to. But that you made a joke there that I was like, oh, I missed that part of the movie. It might have been a joke, but any just about anything in this movie, if you describe it to someone, can be interpreted or like delivered as a joke. I think. What do you think of that? Uh, <laughs> I think it would be depending on inflection. I see. Okay. I, don't know, I think I think one of the things that I I think is I I personally like about this film yeah. is that like a lot of people were saying oh people are gonna pass out during this movie which. I'm not a big fan of movies like that personally, um, and I feel like the movie is like kind of using that camp to like discuss and talk about these subject matters in a way that like is more accessible. Um, I definitely think that the film is like pretty funny though. Like the scenes where he's struggling on the chair instead of just like fucking eating, like in a, like you know what I mean? Yeah, like a toddler or something. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, this chair's gonna help you eat, and it's just like. It's so clearly uncomfortable. But con um, but conceptually but it makes sense, right? Sorry, go ahead. But conceptually it makes sense, right? Oh, it's a, it's the it, the chair does stuff to help you digest, you know? Yeah, I mean that's true, but it also like shows the like the falseness of technology helping us. Like how there's so much technology that we use that we think helps us, but it's really just like either annoying or just. <laughs> Uh, annoying and dumb or detrimental. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. I'm not sure the film about that. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Hey, how about this? Do you, You've seen uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? No, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I have, yeah. 
uh, not the, the the other one, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I want to stress that it's the Gene Wilder one, not the Johnny Depp one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen. I've seen the. I've seen both, but I've seen the, the Gene Wilder one. Yeah. Okay. You remember at the end of the song where he introduces the Garden of Candy, and he's you know at the end of the song he's drinking from a teacup and then he takes a bite out of it. Mm-hmm. That kind of like yeah. flashed in my head when the kid in the beginning is eating the trash bin. I mean, at first I was like, oh, he's eating trash, you know, until it hits you, oh, he's eating the plastic. His eating that plastic reminded me a lot of that. And then when the candy bars were being pressed later on, I was like, oh, well, there's Willy Wonka's factory, you know. Mm-hmm. That That's a side note. It's not nothing into it. No, it is. It is this movie is about Willy Wonka's really fucked up. <laughs> factory. It's about his plastic candy factory. Um, yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. It, it does have the absurdism of like a very dark Wonka. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've been really fascinated by like, old sci-fi novels recently. Okay. And I feel like this film definitely has the same kind of vibe with those. Of, like, there's a lot of shit that's over the top. And I wouldn't necessarily say dumb. But just, like, absurd. Yeah. Um, but they're all leading towards this, like, very interesting point. Sure. Um, I don't know. Uh, what, do you have any titles you recommend? Just do after this? Or for the sci-fi thing? For the sci-fi thing where it's books. Uh, I've been trying to read more of them, so I haven't really read that much. I, I really like... Let me fucking go to my bookshelf real quick. I would recommend reading Dahlgren if you can actually read it. I've been trying to, like, start and get through that book for, in forever, but it's, like, the Ulysses of sci-fi novels. What's the name of it? Um, Dahlgren, D-H-A-L-G-R-E-N. Um, I have Garden, uh, Grendel by John Gardner. I, I've been, like, skimming that recently, but that's not necessarily sci-fi. Okay. Uh, more about a, it's more like a monster book. It's about um, Grendel and Beowulf. Um, uh, I feel like sci-fi and fantasy are genre that I can blend pretty okay, and that might be the fault of Ray Bradbury, but, I mean, I guess, you know, it makes sense that it's, you know, you would mention that book in this list. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's also, I, I'm pretentious, so I don't really, I have, like, the whole, I've been recently getting the old sci-fi novels, but I've been spending a lot of my time going through the Netanyahu's, but I, this isn't sci-fi, but 100 Years of Solitude is great in terms yes. of, like, the kind of camp absurdity of it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like a soap opera, that one. Yeah, but yeah. I need, to, I need to read more fucking books, dude. It's embarrassing how little I've read. But yeah, just, I don't know. Read Ubik if you can find it. I haven't read it, but I have a copy of it, and it looks really good. Which one? Um, Ubik by Philip K. Dick. U-B-I-K. Oh, okay. No, I never heard of that one. Let me bring up the description of it. I've read um, uh, I've read Stranger in a Strange Land in high school, and I got into Vonnegut a lot. But I'm rereading Stranger in a Strange Land, and it's also like super, like weird and campy and, and absurd. And it's funny that it's got all this like you know sexy stuff in it, like like slap like ass slapping and shit like this, but like in a jovial way, in that context of like everything's fine around here. And, uh, I don't know, it's funny to read that now that I'm older. Uh, but I'm, that's, I've been flipping through that one lately, so that's sci-fi. What's the description yeah, of, a? Uh, I know. What's the, what were you gonna say? What's the description of, a uh, Utik? 
Okay, so I went to Goodreads to find it, and it literally is just in Spanish. So I'm trying to find the not Spanish <laughs> version of it. All right. Uh, also, a Scanner Darkly is really good. The movie, I haven't seen the book, because I, as we've been discussing, I am illiterate. The movie, uh, you haven't seen the book, right. Got it. Uh, in the year 1992, humanity has colonized the moon, and psychic powers are common. The protagonist, Joe Chip, is a debt-written technician working for Rinkin, Runkinter Associ- Associates, uh, a prudent organization, a prudence organization employing inertials, people with the ability to negate the powers of tel- uh, telepaths and precogs to enforce pri- the privacy of clients. The oh. company is run by Glenn Runkinter, uh, associated by his half-deceased wife, uh, associated by his half-deceased wife, Ella, He's kept in the state of half-life, a form of cryonic suspension that allows the deceased limiting consciousness and ability to communicate. While consulting with Elsa, Runkater discovers that her consciousness is being invaded by another half-life named Joy Miller. So that's the description of Ubik. It came out in uh, 69. But I have a copy of it. How fat is the book? It's pretty short. It's like 200 pages. All right. I like Joe Chip. That's a good name. That's a solid Arnold Schwarzenegger character right there. Yeah, definitely. It's much easier than Dahlgren that is 900 <laughs> pages and the fucking phrasing feels like you're reading uh, James Joyce on the moon. Um, well, it's it's not Dune. I'll grant you that. It, I, it's, hard. it's for sure harder than Dune. All right, fair enough. Um, it looks no, no, like... I have, that being said, I haven't read all of Dune. I've just read like little... Chunks, but. I, I don't think I'll ever read Dune. I, I mean, if, if I see, like, a Mo, Mobius, like, comic book version of it, I might get that, but I don't think I'm going to read Dune anytime soon. It's like Game of Thrones. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. Mm. But that's me. Have you read yeah, Game I mean, of Thrones? Long. What? Have you read Game of Thrones? Have you read Game of Thrones? You're into the Game of Thrones? I have not read or seen Game of Thrones, no. Oh, that's good. Uh... I've, I've, I don't know. I watched the first, like, bit of the first season, and it was just kind of like, I don't want to spend, you know, 40 hours watching this. It's no Sopranos. Instead, I could watch Joe Parra talks with you. That, uh, you yeah, uh, Joe Parra is an interesting ca- uh, character. Hey, uh, I think uh, I don't, I don't want to take up more of your time. You, you, had a, you have a schedule thing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a, a, a final thought on David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future? Um, I think we're lucky to be in a time when films like that can still be made. Um, a lot of people talk about how great the 70s was, and the 70s was great, but specifically for sci-fi and things like that now, where the technology is so good and we can make things look really real, um... I think we're lucky to still be able to see things that are like interesting and weird get made, uh, even if this one unfortunately fails in the box office. Um, yeah. What about you? Do you have anything you want to say? Uh, I guess as a final thought, I'll uh, I'll bring up the music on this is done by Howard Shore, which has done like some of my favorite soundtracks that just also happen to be Cronenberg movies. Uh, but in this movie, uh, it reminded me of there was an opera that he did of. The Fly. You hear about that? 
Yeah, I have actually. It's like a full, like, is it in English, by the way, or is it in Italian? I never got a chance to find out, because I, 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 I wanted to go, and I didn't go, and it was a short time only, and when I had the money to go, I, it was over. So I missed it, and I, and I just, I was, I've been depressed all my life about it. But now it's the future, it's a, it's a pandemic future, so plays are online. I wonder if I could, I haven't done a Google search on that, but I, uh, I, I had to think about how it must have gone that. What did, what did you hear about it? In Italian? I've literally never heard anything about it. It's just most operas are in Italian or French. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm reading the Wikipedia right now. It was commissioned by uh, the uh, Theatre de Chalet in Paris. So it might be... No, it's not. It's for me in Los Angeles. It's for sure in English. So you'll be able to understand it if you see it. Was it exclusively in Los Angeles? Uh... Does, does it say? No, it, it was performed in France. Um, I assume it toured. It doesn't say on the Wikipedia if it toured or not. Oh, I see. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. Something like that I'd assume would tour. I think I would have kicked myself harder if it would only played in Los Angeles. It's funny when, like, really special things happen in L.A. Kind of like, you know, really special things only happen in New York sometimes. And, like, I'm from over... Like, being over here is just like, ah. But, you know, it, it's that thinking of, like, if I were there, I would have gone. I'm literally here, and sometimes I just don't go. You know, that's a damn shame. I guess that's my final thought. Well, hopefully you'll make the David Cronenberg Fly musical one day, the opera one day, and hopefully we'll live to see the Crimes of the Future opera as well. Uh, cheers to that. Th thank you, Matt. I'm, I'm going to hang up after this, but uh, have yourself a, uh, a good day. Yeah, you too, Timo. Yeah, it was great talking. All right, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.